by affirmations when someone comes up to you and says think positively are you so jaded by that timeless advice that all you can think of is if affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial then start the journey of incredible learning and growth so that you can create the life you've always wanted now This is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On this show, I discuss practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood, your sanity, and your life. We'll talk about why we do the things we do and what we can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. My goal is to help you become empowered so that you can create the life you want. And if you're experiencing any changes because of this show or just think it's a great listen once in a while and you enjoy shopping on Amazon, use the link theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash Amazon. By doing so, Amazon thanks me for you by sending a small percentage of your sale to help with the operating costs. You can also visit theoverwhelmedbrain.com and just drag the Amazon button from the website straight to your desktop to use it every time you shop. It's a way to show your support doing what you already do, shop online. Thanks to all of you who are using the link now, you are making a difference. All right, today's quick quote is by Jimmy Dean, and it's this. I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. Thank you to the website daringtolivefully.com for that quote. The reason I chose this quote today is because, honestly, I hate setting goals. Even though almost all successful people tell you how clear they were about setting goals to get to the level of success they've achieved up to now, I still find that I have trouble being crystal clear on what I want to accomplish. I've always been more of an abstract thinker, which is strange because I've also been a very critical thinker too. Critical thinkers question things and get into the details and the why and how of things. But goal setting has a quality to it that I don't like. I think the main reason I don't like setting goals is because I get lost in the specifics of things. We're told to write out our SMART goals. You know, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. But every time I've done this in the past, I never got what I wanted. In fact, in my quest to reach my goals, 
I got bored and lost interest in the journey. You'd think that some lofty thing that you want to achieve would compel anyone to do whatever it takes to attain it. And in the beginning, that's how it is for me. But after a month or two, the work to attain it builds and builds, and soon I realized just how much I hate the pursuit. (laughs) The goal is out there. I've written it down, but no matter what I do, it never manifests. Is there a limiting belief inside of me? Am I just not trying hard enough? Do you ever have this problem? I can't be the only one. I know that the more specific I am with my goals, the harder they are to attain. In fact, just writing the goals seems like an impossible task for me. The reason is, is because I'm more of a big picture thinker. I prefer attaining things that make me feel good. And because what makes me feel good today may not make me feel good tomorrow, it's hard for me to nail down specific, achievable, and realistic goals. To me, it's like saying, next Wednesday, I want a meat lasagna with ricotta cheese and red sauce. I want it served at 7 p.m. with a salad topped with blue cheese dressing and a tall glass of black tea. I mean, it sounds really good the moment I say it, but then Wednesday comes and I've already eaten pasta twice that week and suddenly I don't want lasagna anymore. (laughs) My desire for my very specific goal dissolved. And now I'm stuck with what I started with. Nothing. Have you ever sought something you wanted only to not want it so much later on? It's not that I'm flaky or lack attention. It's that I don't place too much value on what I can attain. I place value on how I feel. There's a difference. If you have all the money and stuff in the world, but inside you feel depressed and anxious, would you give up all that money and stuff so that you could feel peaceful and happy? Many people would answer yes, but I'm sure some wouldn't. Some believe that money and stuff bring peace and happiness, even though they don't feel it. But what do you really want out of life? Is it material possessions or people or something else outside of you? Or is it the feelings that come from having those things? For example, if someone came up to you and said, I will give you the perfect relationship as long as you agree to be depressed during that relationship. This person will do anything you want, but you will stay depressed. I have a feeling you wouldn't take that deal. But if someone came up and said, I can help you feel peaceful, happy, and at ease all the time, but you must give up something important to you. But I promise you won't even be upset that it's gone because you'll be at peace. So would you take that deal? These are philosophical questions that certainly make you think. I ask them because when it comes to setting goals, some of us are just plain horrible at it. I know I am, so I've done things a little differently than what's taught in the world. I don't write down the SMART goals. You know, that acronym I used earlier. I don't plan ahead one month or even one year from now. But I do still achieve goals. I just don't do it the old-fashioned way. Today, I am sharing another way to go for what you want in life. Sure, I want to be super healthy and wealthy within five years, and it may or may not happen, but 
I have to use my own methods of goal setting. Otherwise, I'll get nothing done. By the time this episode is over, you'll either be better at setting goals or I will have confused you (laughs) because you were already good at it. If you're already good at goal setting and achieving goals, then you may or may not get a lot from this episode. Regardless of who you are, almost all of us want the feeling that comes with achieving our goals. Today, I'm going to be concentrating on the big picture and achieving the good feelings you want to have. Those feelings may not be your specific goals, but the outcome will probably be the same. Feeling good is what most of us want anyway. Some people have laid out a path that takes them there through setting specific achievable goals. And others like me, well, we still get things done, but in a different way. Let's see where this ride takes us. A couple days ago, I sat down to read a report by Brian Tracy called Goals, How to Get Everything You Want Faster Than You Ever Thought Possible. It's based on his book of the same name. It's all about, of course, setting goals and how doing that can help you achieve almost anything. I thought, this would be great to talk about on this weekend's show. But then I got to his actual goal-setting process. And I started reading the specific steps to creating and succeeding at goals. And I started getting discouraged immediately. The further along I went, the more discouraged I got. As soon as I read the first step, which is to decide exactly what you want in every key area of your life, I felt defeated. Did you ever look at a project or something else and realize that you simply would not be able to accomplish it and then felt so overwhelmed that a wave of negativity and failure washed over you? That is how I felt at step one of this report. But I read the details of the step thinking that I might be able to accomplish my goal if I put my mind to it. But then I started reading the rest of the steps and noticed how much more work would be involved to continue the process. Again, I felt defeated. I also felt misguided. (laughs) I read these steps thinking, this is not how I operate. I am not this organized, nor do I ever plan anything like this. The book this is based on is probably one of the best books out there on setting goals and getting anything you want, but it's simply not the way my brain works. Therefore, I see the instructions and I immediately recoil in horror, thinking that someone wants me to structure my life like a spreadsheet. I've tried this before. I've followed people's steps and it always felt unnatural. When people tell me how they've set goals and follow a strict routine every day and they're successful because of it, I'm completely envious. I want to have that structure and discipline and organization in my life. And then I'll watch these same people down a bunch of coffee and then run around like crazy putting out fires all day and then they get upset at the slightest alteration of their plans. Not everyone I know, but quite a few are like this, at least those who appear to be highly organized. Why is that? Because staying highly organized takes a lot of time, energy, and mental focus. Our brains are 
complex holistic learning machines that have specific tasks to complete to help us stay alive. And having to stay focused enough to organize and take control of many aspects of our lives can be draining. That's why you see people with vices like caffeine and sugar and fatty and high-carb foods and smoking and drinking and all kinds of other things that many of us do to gain some semblance of balance in our lives. We can end up stressing at work because we feel like we have to be, quote, on all the time. So we turn to these vices to balance ourselves. Of course, we all know that these things aren't healthy for us, yet we still do them. When I stay up late and need to write an outline for the next episode of this show, I guarantee you I'm reaching for that caffeinated iced tea with sugar and lemon. <laughs> hey, at least I use raw sugar, but all the same, really, I'm balancing my deficiency in one area with a stimulant or a stress reliever in another. What I really need to do is go to bed at a more reasonable hour. Instead, I drink caffeine knowing that I'll be able to artificially balance my system when I don't get enough sleep. This will wear you down over time. Artificially balancing your system makes up for where you don't or can't honor what you really need in life, whether that's more sleep or you're in a work situation that is stressful or painful in some way, or you've got challenges at home with your family or any of a number of things that create a deficiency in the balance of life. For me, it's always about sleep. I stay up too late and then I get tired the next day. I don't exercise as much as I should and on occasion I use caffeine and sugar to help me get through the day. But of course, sometimes I feel fine. When I get enough sleep, I'm sharper and more alert the next day. But why don't I always just go to bed on time? Why don't any of us do what we need to do in order to maintain a healthy, happy life? Well, one of the reasons is that we simply have too much to do all the time. Our work is never done and something or someone always needs attention. Several years ago, all I wanted to do when I came home from work is take a break by myself. That might have meant I wanted to just watch TV or play a game or play my guitar or anything that allowed me to connect with myself for as long as I needed so that I could let go of the stress of my work day. At that time in my life, I was married, and when I came home, my wife wanted to know how my day was. Well, let me tell you, whether I had the best day or the worst day, I did not want to recall it all over again because, quite frankly, I really didn't want to go to work that day in the first place. <laughs> so when I would arrive home, many times I felt a twinge of anger or irritation when she would ask the very innocent question of how my day was. That was hard because on the one side, I wanted to connect with her. And on the other side, I just wanted to find myself again. After doing something all day when you'd rather do something else, sometimes it's no fun to recall what you've been doing all day. <laughs> when I realized why I always got frustrated after arriving home from work, I finally told my wife to stop asking me that question and give me some alone time. She honored that request. And this actually improved our relationship a lot because I was able to come home, say hi to her, and then be with myself. And then after I felt reconnected and grounded, I could come out and talk with her about anything, even how my day was. 
but that reconnection to myself was extremely important. It was what I needed to wind away the entire day of doing something that I would rather not. I enjoyed my job, but I always preferred doing something else with my time. And because I had to go to work, I couldn't do what I really wanted to do. I'm sure you can relate, which brings us back to goal setting. After I started reading all the steps Brian Tracy outlined, I was feeling more and more defeated and de-energized. I was like, who plans out their goals in such detail? I also realized something very important that I didn't know about myself. I don't know what I want to be able to plan for what I want. (laughs) I mean, the big picture of my life is being the person that can handle all the challenges that come along and knowing what and knowing that what it takes to get to that place is a lot of personal growth. I really can't plan for that. I think of big picture stuff and do at least one thing every day to move towards that big picture. That's what many teachers and speakers tell us to do anyway. Do one thing every day that gets you one step closer to what you want. That's the kind of goal planning I can actually appreciate and understand. But to specifically write down everything I want in life and exactly what my life will look like is very hard for me. I remember setting goals in martial arts. The teacher would emphasize setting goals over and over again. She'd say, set a number of push-ups that you want to be able to do. Or, what belt color do you want to be in six months? Or, what else do you want to achieve while you're here? I found this harder to do than almost any physical activity. It was a mental martial art trying to come up with and adhere to goals. When I set a goal to do 100 push-ups, I thought, well, If I set a goal to do 100 push-ups, then I am limiting myself. What if I'm capable of doing much more than 100? If so, then by setting 100, I already feel like I failed. That's strange, huh? (laughs) That's like saying, I want to make a million dollars. But then I think about how disappointed I'd be when, after I made my million, I could have actually tried for much more than that. And because I only limited myself to a million, it just doesn't feel like I've accomplished that much. This mentality kept me from setting goals most of my life. In fact, I've almost always purposefully avoided setting goals because I would drown in the minutiae. Those are all the details that come up when you write out your specific goals, those SMART goals I mentioned. Let's go over the talking points in today's episode. I am an anti-goal setter. (laughs) I think setting goals works perfect for highly organized, highly focused people that seem to have endless energy. But I don't work that way. I'm a very analytical thinker for sure, but goal setting has always bored me and caused me to quit faster than not goal setting. I know I can't be the only one like this. Every time I set a goal, I soon lose my focus and drift farther and farther away from that goal until eventually I have such little interest in attaining it, I let it go completely. Can you relate at all? I'm willing to bet there are others out there like me. If you can relate, keep listening. This episode is for people who want to accomplish things in their life but 
can't follow the standard goal-setting advice we often hear from almost all of the personal growth and development speakers in the world. So, my first talking point today is this. Don't set a goal. Set a direction. When I used to set goals, I would fail. Then instead of getting right back up and trying again, I would just give it up. It is something I've tried to overcome time and time again, but I could never gain the momentum I had when I started. Soon it became laborious to go after a goal. Chasing my goal was a chore and I would eventually give up my pursuit. However, when I started planting direction into my future, I suddenly had more energy and resources than ever before. I realized that as much of an analytical thinker I was, I was also a realist. So my realistic nature was convincing me that my goal was unattainable. This inner conflict created resistance inside of me, and soon I was giving up the pursuit. Being realistic causes you to analyze your goals and sometimes make you believe that they cannot be attained. And because you question a lot of things in your life, you can usually convince yourself that, realistically, you can't reach your goal. That's pretty wild when you think about it. You want something so bad, but because you set a goal to attain it, you end up motivating yourself to quit. Has this ever happened to you? I used to listen to all kinds of personal growth speakers, and many of them said the same things as if they all listened to the same people when they were learning their stuff. And a common theme amongst all of them was how and why to set goals. But every time I followed the steps they laid out, I would fail. I went to a seminar once and the speaker said, no matter how lofty the goal, write it down, set your intention, and then really believe it will happen. And it will happen. Well, if you can do this, (laughs) I am envious. My belief system as open and mutable as it is, still hasn't been able to fully adopt this. No matter how much I believed it to achieve it, there was always that tiny hint of disbelief way in the background. Now that could have been me not believing enough as I'm told, but it could also mean that I'm simply not 100% convinced. Either way, my deepest thoughts and feelings about believing something could happen just because I believe it could happen, we're not in alignment. And because I know I have this belief system, I can't follow the advice of most of the other personal growth and development teachers out there. So how can someone like me achieve my goals? I had to face this question. And instead of continually forcing myself to use a system that works for others and not myself, I decided to work with my beliefs instead of against them. In other words, My belief system is about questioning things and coming up with realistic ideas. And instead of working against that belief system and thinking, all I need to do is believe enough and I'll get everything I want, I find ways to work with it. And one of those ways is setting a direction, not a goal. A direction allows me to question anything I want along the way, but not get lost in all the details that might slow me down if I stop long enough to begin my process of disbelief. We're told to say things in first person as if we already have them. So if you want to make $10,000 a week and live in a mansion in Maui, 
you would say it like this. I am making $10,000 a week and I own a mansion in Maui. And then you're supposed to feel what it's like living there, really honing in on the details like what you see, hear, and smell. You take it all in and act as if you're really there. However, when I tried this, I could sense I was there, but there was always a voice in the background saying, no, you're not. Get real. (laughs) That would definitely create a conflict inside of me. So now when I want something in my life, instead of trying to work against my belief system, I instead set a direction like this. I want to make at least five figures a month and live near the water, and I will do whatever it takes to get there. This frees me from the resistance that built up inside of me when I had made the first statement. Sure, there are still somewhat specific goals in there, but there is very little limitation, at least the way I define it. I am creating a direction, not a goal. And no matter what happens along the way, I keep going in that direction. That way, if and when I fail at something, when I get back up, I know which direction to go again. The one thing I love about setting a direction is that I can fail as often as it takes to get there. But if I set a specific goal, then I am reminded often exactly what I haven't attained yet. When you're constantly reminded of what you haven't attained yet, it creates disappointment and doubt. And soon, you might give up because I'm still not at my ideal weight, or I'm still not making as much money as I want to make, or even I still haven't met the man or woman of my dreams. These thoughts can plague the mind. They are consistent reminders of what hasn't been accomplished yet. I realize we're all told to clearly define our goals and what we want for our lives, but when I'm reminded of the specific goal that I haven't attained yet, I get jaded and I'm not as passionate about that goal as I once was. And because of that, I will eventually stop trying to attain it. Of course, I'm not that high-energy, incredibly focused, extremely organized and structured person that some people are. If that describes you, then you will want to definitely utilize your own strengths to achieve your goals and not necessarily follow the process I am suggesting. Though, you could try it and find out if it works for you. I'm a big fan of doing what works. So don't change what you're doing if what you're doing is getting results. But let's get to our next talking point, which is something I just mentioned. Play on your own strengths to achieve your goals. When you read or hear something motivational or inspirational and you go out into the world and you can't figure out why it works for everyone else but you, (laughs) then stop for a minute and remember that we all use our brain differently. Sure, there are common things that we all do, but what motivates you is going to be different than what motivates me. And what that means is that no advice is one size fits all. Just like I don't find it useful to tell someone to just think positively, but someone else might want to hear those very words and it will brighten their day. If that's the case with you, then think positively. (laughs) Otherwise, 
most of us need something a bit more practical and useful. We all use our brain differently, so that means that we're all motivated in different ways. The reason we all use our brain differently is because our thinking is made up of our history. I mean, sure, our brains function in very similar ways, but we all have no choice but to think in very unique ways. Because of your history, you will think differently than anyone you know. What that means is that when you're frustrated with someone and say something like, what were you thinking? <laughs> what you're really saying is, you think completely different than me, <laughs> which of course is correct. Because you had the unique experience of your upbringing, you've developed thought processes that derive from those experiences. One example of that in my life is how I respond to people when they're upset. If anyone gets really upset or angry around me, I just calmly wait until they're done with whatever they're going through and then converse like normal. I don't react and yell at them to calm down. I'm actually completely calm and don't feel triggered to respond at all. Well, unless they're becoming threatening, but that really hasn't happened in my adult life. So what I do is just wait for them to calm down on their own. And once they're calm, I continue conversing like normal. However, everyone is different in how they react to the upset of others. If someone got really upset and started yelling around you, you might get nervous and walk away. Or maybe you'd yell back because you fear them or are offended by them in some way. Or maybe you're like me and you realize that anger and upset is just something that they need to experience to release some negative emotional energy. And you know it will pass, so it doesn't bother you. Regardless, because I was brought up with a lot of yelling in my house, I learned to be very resilient of it, and I'm not motivated to respond strongly when people yell around me anymore. So if I worked for a boss that came out yelling at us to work harder, that wouldn't motivate me to do any better than I was doing at the time. But someone else may be highly motivated by that. My point is, depending on how you were brought up and what you were exposed to, will be what motivates you to do something. When it comes to setting goals, you may or may not be motivated by such optimistic auto-suggestion like, every day in every way I'm getting better and better. But you could be motivated by a high-stress situation with a deadline. For years, I worked much better knowing that there was a deadline coming up as opposed to having an open-ended date. My motivation was the end of something looming over me. It was a fear that the end would arrive that beckoned me to do or die. It's a harsh way to function, but it worked. Of course, it was also very stressful, but it did help get things done. How are you motivated? How you're motivated is how you will achieve your goals. If you're motivated by fear, then use fear to encourage and push you forward. If you're motivated by reward, then use that. My point here is to utilize what motivates you, not what others tell you is going to motivate you, unless what they tell you is in line with what motivates you. A great example of this is my ex-wife. She would listen to the gurus and they'd all say the same things. Statements like, just believe it and you will achieve it. Or my favorite, think positively. Her goal was to create a business, and she wanted to use the principles and teachings that the biggest names taught to make her business a success. 
And if you're in real estate, you know exactly what I mean because realtors always end up going to all those seminars that talk about this stuff. Anyway, she would practice daily. If she failed at something, she would just think more positive thoughts and believe even more that her success was already here. And after several years of doing this with not even $1 earned, she finally got frustrated and lost her interest in her business. Then she got angry. All these years went by and now she was angry because she did what she was told to do and she saw nothing come of it. And of course, she would read or watch more videos to find out what to do when you fail. And they'd tell her things like, you just didn't believe enough. Your thoughts and actions weren't in line with one another. If you really believed, it would work. And this made her even more upset because she knew she really did believe this type of thinking worked. But for her, it didn't. So she got angry. And when she did, suddenly she was taking steps that she hadn't taken before. Her anger fueled her to create something for herself in her own way. She was sick and tired of being sick and tired, which is how she ended up after years of positive thinking and believing to achieve. Her anger made her take bold steps into something new for herself, and she made huge life changes, including moving out of the house and starting life in an entirely different city. And what happened? She found happiness. She found a path she could follow with conviction and passion. She changed her life because she stopped doing what didn't work. What motivates you? Is it the pain or the reward? We learn from many personal growth teachers that it's always best to state things in the positive. Like, instead of saying, I don't want to be broke, you'd say, I want to be financially independent. But my belief is that you say whatever motivates you to take action, and then you follow a course. And as long as you're continually motivated, you keep going in that direction until it's time to change. Meaning, always state things in the way that motivates you. And if that means you're motivated for six months by stating it in the negative, but after six months you lose the motivation to continue, then try stating it in a different way. Using the example I already gave, let's say you want more money in your life. Which one resonates with you more? I don't want to be broke. Or, I want to be rich. Or, if neither of those work, how about, I never want to worry about money again. They may all be true or not for you, but which one really motivates you to find ways to get more money in your life? If not money, what about love or stuff or people? You name it. Fill in the blank and then state what you want or don't want. Then, whatever moves you to take action, use that as fuel to achieve your goal. A few years ago, when I finally got my family out of the welfare system, I remembered back to the days I was standing in line at 6 a.m. every morning at the soup kitchen. I realized that I never wanted to stand in line at a soup kitchen again. Never. This was so powerful in my head that I went into the extreme opposite direction 
and saved more money in a year than I had ever had in my life. This helped get my wife and I out of a bad situation and back on track in life. And for years after that, I told myself, I will never be broke again. I used that as my motivator. And then after a while, I realized that that statement no longer motivated me as it once did. It still has an impact when I say it today, but I've gotten comfortable again not being broke. And because of that, I've changed my declaration statement about money to be, I want to make a lot of money so I have more freedom and more options. That kind of statement motivates me to do whatever I can to create that reality in my life. I realize it's not everyone's goal to make more money, but like I said, you can change the words to anything you'd like as long as it motivates you to take action. So the next step in setting goals when you hate setting goals is this. Stop doing what doesn't work. This is my favorite one because if you really live by this philosophy, you can change your life. There's a point where you know something just isn't working, whether that's a job, a relationship, or a project, or what have you. No matter how much money, time, or energy you have into something, stop doing it when it's not working. My mom thought that her abusive husband would eventually leave if she just stopped loving him and even outwardly hating him. Well, she was right. For 43 years, she kept repeating her same patterns of offensive behavior toward him, hoping that he'd leave, and he finally left. Yeah, 43 years of doing the same thing over and over again, hoping things would change. She never took action herself, so he never left until there was a blow-up about a year and a half ago. All that time, she could have gotten her life back, but she waited. What she was doing wasn't working, yet she continued to do it anyway. She was in denial and really believed that soon he would see how unwelcome he was and want to leave on his own volition. But nope, he never did, and she stayed miserable. Well, he finally did leave a year and a half ago, but it took 43 years, and it wasn't even related to how she was acting towards him. She is just now starting to realize how much more happy she could have been had she done something years ago. And now that he's gone, she's finally experiencing some peace. But 43 years have come and gone. That is a clear indication of what doesn't work. Another example is the story I told in the previous segment of how my ex-wife kept thinking and believing that things would come to fruition, but they never did until she changed her beliefs and attitude. Year after year went by, but things never changed. Things sometimes appeared to get better, which would be an incentive to continue along the same path, but the outcome always ended up the same. That's just it. Do you measure your accomplishments by what appears to be steps in the right direction, or do you look at the outcome of what you are trying to achieve? It's true that every step towards something leads you closer to success, but where and how you measure success is the biggest factor. If you want a relationship where trust and safety are the biggest indicators of success, and you feel less and less safe with the person you're with month after month, Do you think that's continually moving towards success? If you're working for someone or even for yourself and you haven't been promoted or gotten a raise or made any more money in, let's say, over two years, 
and you're already feeling kind of burnt out. Would you call that closer to success or farther away? You may be working towards something that takes many years to accomplish, and if that's the case, that's your gauge. If you know that a project is going to take four years to complete, you need to look at how far you've come in the time that you've had and gauge it from there. Or pivot. Pivoting is when you change course and move in a different direction. When I created this show, I knew that I'd have to start making money somehow or I wouldn't be able to sustain it. But I also knew that creating a weekly show like this takes time to grow. After the first show aired, I gave myself six months to start looking at income opportunities. Well, six months came and went and I got nowhere trying to create any sort of regular income. And then a year came and went and I realized that if I didn't do something, this show just couldn't be anymore. I went from just sitting back, believing that the show would grow on its own and eventually earn money in a way that I hadn't thought of, to pivoting after a year because I realized nothing was going to happen until I took massive action to achieve it. In regards to stopping what doesn't work, that's exactly what I've been doing with this show since the beginning. The early shows weren't popular, so I changed the format. I once focused on taking donations, but that didn't work, so I buried that on a page in the website. It used to take 40 hours to create a one-hour episode, but I cut that in half by changing things around. What are you doing that doesn't work anymore? Be honest with yourself, too. Think about what in your life doesn't work, and think about how you can either make it work or move on. One of the final steps I take when I want something to happen in my life is to create a deadline. By creating a deadline, you give yourself or other people up to that date for things to change. And if they don't, you follow through and take action. What do I mean? Let's talk about that final step in setting goals now. Some things take a long time to manifest. It's just the way it goes sometimes. There's a belief I have that I attribute to this, and it's this. You will never manifest something until you become the person you need to be for it to appear. Now, this sounds kind of spiritual, and for me it sort of is, but it's also extremely practical. You've heard the statistic that about 80% of lottery winners lose their winnings in about five years, right? I don't know how accurate that number is, but just a quick online search reveals many lottery winners that won millions and lost everything in just a few years. Why? Well, the main reason is that they aren't the people they needed to be that could keep that kind of money. In other words, if someone is bad with money to begin with, they aren't going to be any better off when they get more of it. Sure, there are some that will hire a financial planner, but many will just spend it because they have it, just like they spend every paycheck they have now, for example. The same goes for why we have such a high divorce rate. When you or your partner don't like something about the other person, that thing you don't like usually gets worse after you get married. You think it will get better, but 
it turns out that marriage seems to amplify the best and worst things about the relationship. This happened to me. Before my now ex-wife and I got married, I got triggered by her food issues. I figured all those triggers would go away after we got married because she was working on herself. And of course, over the years, because she was working on herself trying to get better every day, she would eventually get better and all would be well. But it only got worse. And it wasn't that her food addiction got worse. It was my reaction to her food addiction that got worse. Who you are gets amplified when you get married or get more money or whatever happens that causes you to let go of your belief that your problems are over. Some people believe that if they get more money, their problems will be over. But if they aren't the type of person that can spend and save wisely in the first place, they'll probably lose it. This is why I say that you need to become the person that can already handle whatever manifests. Does that make sense? If you've never flown a jet and suddenly you're in the cockpit, you may not be able to land it safely. When I finally got over most of my judgment issues about my romantic partners, I met someone that reflected everything I wanted in a partner. And since then, our relationship only gets better. No tension and it's always growing closer. I worked on myself and healed through the things that I needed to heal through. Otherwise, the person I wanted to manifest into my life would never been attracted to me. Just like people who work on their body to attract a partner, you need to work on your mental attributes too. Healing and growing within opens you up to other people and opportunities that are also in line with you. If you plan on having a lot of money one day, but you still purchase frivolous things instead of saving it, do you think that behavior would change if you won the lottery? The behavior typically amplifies. If you really want what you want, become the person you need to become that can handle it when it arrives. You do that by reflecting on what bothers you. What bothers you? When you stop and think about what really bothers you right now, what comes up? I'm not talking about in the moment. I'm talking about what occupies your thoughts more often than not. Is there something that continually bothers you? If so, that thing that bothers you will prevent you from getting what you want in life. The reason is that you have not become the person you need to be that doesn't get bothered by that thing. I said something very similar last week, but it's important to hear this again. If you are not the person you need to be to have a million dollars in your life, you will not be able to earn it, let alone keep it if it happens. The same goes with love and respect and kindness or whatever you want more of in your life. Money is a great example though because it's the easiest thing to measure. You know how much money you have, so if you want a million more than you have, what kind of attitude and behavior would a millionaire have? If you have any hang-ups about money, I'd highly recommend working on those before becoming wealthy, if that's your goal. Or how about relationships? If you don't trust in the people that you're attracted to, yet still want a relationship, I highly recommend working on trusting yourself. Work on what bothers you to become the person you need to become so that you can manifest the things you want in life. Who knows, maybe you're ready right now because you've done your healing and growing. And if that's the case, then it's probably on the way. 
If you know you're ready, then just be patient, yet you can be assertive at the same time. Though it's helpful to let go of your attachment to the outcome. Sometimes what's perfect for you is on the way, but just needs time to get to you. I realize I'm skirting the edge of like attracts like and the law of attraction here, but regardless of your beliefs, the results seem to point to the same things over and over again. What you work on in yourself, what you heal and what you learn is usually what comes into your life more and more. So let's come back to something that we can all do that's very practical, which is our last talking point. Set a deadline for what you want. And if you don't meet it, take action. That's it. Set a date and then gauge your level of success when that date arrives. I did that with myself at a job I worked at for several years. I just put it on the calendar and told myself, if things don't change by this date, I'm quitting. And I did everything I could to make things change, but they didn't. So I followed through and quit. That's the most important part of this point. Follow through. This creates accountability. Without accountability, things are wishy-washy. It's like telling your child over and over again that you're going to punish them after you count to three if he or she doesn't behave. But they never stop misbehaving because you never follow through. They never experience the consequences. The deadline you set is the date of consequence. Look into the eyes of what you want to change and then set the date. Say, if you don't change by this date, I'll change things for you or something like that. This can be hard because it's commitment, but it eliminates the wait and hope game. You wait and hope things will change month after month, but they don't. You see tiny steps in the right direction, but the results are still the same as they were months ago. Wait and hope, wait and hope, and then keep getting disappointed. Like I said before, some things require more time to complete, so you need to be the judge of how long is too long or too short, but there has to be a deadline so that you can just cut the cord and move on when you hit it. I like to use the analogy, if you're trudging through mud, you're probably going in the wrong direction. What that means to me is that the harder it is to move in the direction you've chosen, the more likely it's the wrong direction. When you're going in the right direction, resources appear that weren't there before. Things happen in a line for you that you'd never think would happen. People show up and mountains are moved to make it happen. It's fascinating to watch it unfold, actually. I'm not sure of the forces at work here, but things do seem to line up and make the path free of obstacles when you're heading in the right direction. It's like someone opened a door and said, right this way. And this even works in directions that you don't want to go to. For example, you could be working towards something big, but it just keeps running into obstacle after obstacle. So you pivot and head towards something else that you may not think is necessary at all, but suddenly the path opens up and you are free and clear to enter. When I focused on writing ebooks, the path opened up just like that. All the resources I needed came to be and then suddenly I was an author. However, before that, I was struggling. I was taking one path that just kept getting me stressed. It didn't feel right, but I kept going along that path because I believed what people told me. 
I was told that if I want to be a success, I had to do what they did. It turns out that I had to do what felt right to me. Once I got that feeling, I felt passionate and became the person I needed to be that wrote books. That doesn't mean I'm a brilliant writer. It just means that I found a path that calls to me. So I decided to take it. Do what works. Follow the path that doesn't feel like constant resistance. There will be challenges on any path for sure, but the right path will always have a solution. It may be hard to figure out at first, but learning the solution only gets you closer to your goal. If you think you're on the wrong path, set a deadline. That way, you'll do everything you can to make things happen for you before you hit the deadline. And when the deadline arrives, take action if needed. Follow through and make the consequences happen. If the deadline hits and things haven't changed, look at ways to change your course and start something different. Deadlines have been the most powerful method for me to create change in my life. Sometimes I don't get what I want, but I do get rid of what I don't want, and that clears the way for a bigger, brighter future. I may not be an advocate for setting goals the way Brian Tracy and other intelligent teachers tell us to do it, but I sure as heck realize that by doing nothing at all, I get nowhere. Set your goals the way that motivates you to complete them. If you don't get what you want, you'll learn what works and what doesn't really fast. And soon, you'll be sailing in a direction that works. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I thank Denna, Kathy, Maggie, Nita, Brent, Catherine, Candace, Amy, Teresa, Aaron, Carlos, Christian, Yin, and Tito for subscribing to the newsletter. I thank Jenny and Billy for reaching out on Twitter, and Ruth and Kara, Grace, Tina, Jenny, Akash, Akash, Jamie, Deborah, Ann for uh, reaching out on Facebook, and Giselle and Carol for connecting with me on Pinterest. And then for those who sent direct messages, Enrique or Enrique, Jean, uh, Arian, Natalie, Jane, Amy, and Taniqua. And finally, for those who subscribe to the YouTube channel, St. Joe 41, Shukla or Shukla and Mega J Rivers. And a special thank you to Cher for her generous donation to the show. Thank you. I am so grateful for your support. Keep up with the show by heading over to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and sign up for your weekly personal growth message. Feel free to reach out to me through the contact link on that site as well. I want to thank the listeners who are using the Amazon link on the site to support the show. If you want to show your support, just do what you already do and shop at Amazon. Use theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash Amazon. Or make it easier to shop there every time and drag the Amazon button from the overwhelmedbrain.com website to your computer's desktop. Your shopping habits are making a difference and they're going towards a good cause. You. And if I didn't call your name in this episode, just know that I appreciate you and thank you for being there for me, listening, learning, and growing. One of my goals every week is to create a new episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. It's a deadline I created for myself and so far, I haven't missed a beat. 
In fact, I've created the largest accountability group in the world. And that's the world itself. You expect to hear a new episode every week. So that certainly motivates me to stay on my schedule. I didn't really talk about accountability in this episode, but I'd like to mention it now because it really is a great way to stick to your goals. As soon as you tell someone else what you're going to do, you suddenly feel accountable to do it. Just having someone else know about your goals is motivation enough to help you complete them. After all, we have a tendency to not want to let people down. So find your accountability partner and tell them what you're aiming for. Or better yet, share it with the whole world online and you're sure to meet your goal. And if you don't meet it, well, you're going to learn a whole lot along the way. And that opens the doors for possibilities you couldn't even have imagined. Create possibility by stepping into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. When you do this, you'll discover what I already know to be true about you. That you are amazing. Amazing.